Turn with me this morning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and we'll read a couple verses together, verse 16 down to verse 18. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that indeed we have been entrusted with the great mission of proclaiming your gospel, your truth. Lord, to all the world. And for thus, many of us in here this morning, not only does that mean sending others and being a part of short-term missions, but also in our own neighborhoods of being a light to the world that you have placed us in. And so we pray as we hear your word that you would open our ears, that you would allow your word to be productive and fruitful in our lives. We pray this, O God, in Jesus' name, amen. Title of the sermon this morning, Seeing, Hearing, and Doing. We don't find very many references in Scripture where Christ is instructing His disciples to be careful, to take care. Uh, In fact, if you look at many of the teachings of Christ, He uh, talks a lot about uh, trusting God, about not caring for the things of this world the way that Uh, the secular nations, and the way that uh, other unbelievers do. Uh, He doesn't admonish his church very often to take care or be careful. But when he does, it's always indicative of a truth of something that you and I should take, uh, take be aware of and that we should take conscience of uh, what he is teaching. And so uh, as we look at this particular passage that we read this morning, it's telling, and, and really we can see three different things that Uh, Christ is instructing us to take care of or to be careful of, and and two are implied and one, I think, is explicitly stated. And those are going to be the three things that we look at together. The first is being careful how you see. The second is being careful how you hear. And then finally, the third is being careful how you live. And all of these, of course, are included in these verses, and we'll unpack them uh, together. Uh, Christ... I will say, in order to provide some context for these two verses, we need to look to the preceding verses in uh, verse, really verse 1 down through verse 15 of, of Luke chapter 8. And we know that the context is that he's preaching, he's teaching about uh, the parable of the sower. And he's instructing the people that are listening of, of the sower who sows the word. And uh, he, he teaches that the, the word is actually the seed, the, or the seed is the word of God, and that it's sown on four various different types of soil. And he instructs his disciples on what those soils are like. Uh, one particular type is, is the seed that's sown in the path, where it is quickly trampled underfoot or eaten by birds. Uh, One is where seed is sown on a rock, where it immediately sprouts up, uh, but is short-lived due to a lack of moisture. 
The other is where seeds are sown among thorns, where even though they come up, uh, they are quickly choked out because of the life of the thorns. And then the fourth is seed that is sown on good ground where it thrives and flourishes. And of course, he begins to unpack to his disciples that uh, those who hear the word and who receive it and receive it with the heart uh, of gratitude and receive it uh, well, uh, they are the ones on whom the, the seed is sown in good soil and they bring forth much fruit. So really, we can hear throughout this parable, throughout the statement that we just read, the two verses that we just read, we can hear a question being asked implicitly, if not explicitly, which is that if the light is the word, and we read here of, of the light, uh, that, that we shouldn't hide it with a, with a jar, that we shouldn't put it under a bed, but if the light is the word, and I think based on the verses that preceded it, we can make the argument that it is, uh, the light is the word, or the light is the kingdom, the word of the kingdom. So if the light is the word, and the word has been sown in our hearts, and we have received it, and it's taken root, what now? And I think for many of us, for believers, this is the big question. If we believe in Christ, if we have received him, if the word of God has been sown in our heart, and we are being transformed into his image, then what happens? How do we allow the word to govern our lives? How do we allow God's Word to be authoritative in our decisions? How do we look to the Word of God to be truly the luminary uh, in our path? And so to this unasked question, Christ begins our text by the statement, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar. So this brings me to my first point, th point this morning, which is that you and I should be careful as those who have received the Word of God, those who, to whom the Word has been preached, those who uh, are believing in Christ, are trusting in Him, we should be careful how we see. And there are three different scenarios here that he creates uh, that talk about the light and how people respond to it, what they do with it. Uh, the first is the scenario in which the light is covered with a jar. Now, if the room is dark in which you're living, in which you're staying, covering the light with a jar seems obviously pointless. It does two things. Number one, it hides the light so that the room is not illuminated, which is the purpose the light should be lit to begin with. And secondly, due to the fact that in this day, a light was a candle and would need oxygen to live, by putting the candle under a jar, you're removing its oxygen source, its life source, and so, in essence, you're putting out the candle. And so as I thought through this, I, I asked myself, well, what would be the purpose of having a light and putting it under a jar? And of course, that is the, that's the point that Christ is making. But in our own lives, I believe that subconsciously sometimes we, we do the very same thing. We allow the Word of God, instead of allowing it to be governing our life, instead of allowing it to be the ultimate authority, we uh, receive it and try to cover it, it up. And perhaps one reason... Uh, answering the question, why bother about lighting a light and then putting it under a jar to begin with, one logical explanation uh, is that you don't have to contend with a lit room in that instance. The light is gone, but you can somehow convince yourself, perhaps, that it's still lit, it's just out of sight. It's there, it's under the jar, the candle's been lit, you covered it up, you can't see unless you remove the jar that it's been put out, but yet you don't benefit from the light in the room. That's the first scenario. The second scenario that Christ addresses is putting the light, once it's lit, under a bed. Here you have an interesting statement. 
Because it's not a matter of preference. It's not me saying, well, I don't simply want to live in a, in a room that is well lit. It's really not addressing my preference to, to enjoy the light at all, but rather it's addressing my own understanding of the time. Now, obviously, you wouldn't light a light unless it was dark outside. You wouldn't light a lamp unless you had need of the light. But to understand lighting the lamp and then the, the next action you take is to actually put it under your bed uh, because perhaps you think it's time to sleep is to misread the time. And really, the benefit is to no one. Because after all, if, if sleep is what you desire, a dark room is much more preferable than one that is well lit. So putting the light under one's bed will light the room, at least part of it, but it will do it in a way that is meaningless to those who are in the room. It's a misunderstanding of what needs to be done at this particular time of day. And so if we are to look at these two scenarios, and we'll look at the third in just a minute, but if we are to look at the two, the first takes the word or takes the light, puts it under a jar, doesn't want to contend with the light that illuminates the room, the second leaves it lit but puts it under a bed, suggesting that perhaps they have a misunderstanding of what time of day or what they should be about. And then the third scenario that he mentions, which is the preferable scenario, is that those who uh, light it and put it upon a lampstand, that it might give light to all in the house, and particularly to all who enter. Now, the most devastating part of putting a lit candle under a jar, and I think the most telling for our purposes today, and the most disappointing in light of what the gospel is teaching, is that if you have a light that is under a jar, or if you have a light that is under the bed, then it does not, not only does it not give light to those who are in the house, so there's no direct benefit to those who are in the room, but also uh, it does not send the message to those who would be travelers, those who are sojourning in their journey, uh, that your house is a hospitable one, that it's a place that you invite them to come into. During that time, it was very customary that if you wanted to be a good host, if you wanted to communicate to people that uh, you, you wanted your house to be a place of hospitality, then particularly at nighttime, you would light a candle and stick it in the window. And anyone who was on a journey, they didn't have a place to stay, they would see the lit candle and they would know that they could, that they would, could enter your house and that you would uh, see for their needs and meet their needs. But the third scenario that Christ gives here is that uh, of the individual who takes the light and puts it on a lampstand or on a on a, on a stand so that all who enter may see the light. And so, really, with all three scenarios, Christ is, is teaching his disciples, be careful how you see. Don't in, allow the word to be heard and then seek to assign it to some auxiliary role in your life. Don't listen to the word, whether it's read or whether it's spoken or whether it's preached, and instead of submitting to it, seek to put it out. Because then, not only does it not benefit you, but it doesn't benefit others either. Then he also teaches us not to misunderstand the time. To think that the luminous body is only for us. That it's something that we should light and then perhaps fall to sleep. But rather that the light not only benefits us and benefits all who are in the house, but it also sends a message to those who are on the outside that they are welcome to enter. And that if they do, uh, then they can see whatever is in the house. Now, on a pastoral application level, in our own lives, there is a discomfort 
to having a well-lit room. After all, if the room is well-lit, it's difficult to hide the broken china. If the room is well-lit, it's difficult to hide the spilled cereal, or it's difficult to hide the dirt that is in the pantry. And so the discomfort that comes with a room that is well-lit is not only that it reveals to us all of our uncleannesses, all of the all of the disarray in our own room, but it also makes it obvious to all who enter. And I think more often than not, uh, when you hear the allegation made by people that they don't go to church because church is full of hypocrites, well, interestingly enough, that very statement, they are only aware of what a hypocrite is because of the light that is coming from within, not from light that's outside. There's nothing in the world at large that enables them, that qualifies them to look at the body and say you do not live as you preach, that you do not live in the manner that Christ teaches. Only the light of the gospel, only the light of the truth of Christ becomes the measure that other people look at when they make that allegation. But for us, the discomfort that it brings, knowing that we are living in a room where all of our weaknesses and our sins are disposed, are exposed to the world. That level of vulnerability is something that often we are uncomfortable with. And I'm not saying that we should be comfortable with it. In fact, what God's Word does when it illuminates the sin in our life is it compels us not to be comfortable with those sins, but rather to seek mercy and to seek forgiveness and to allow His Holy Spirit to work in us, sanctifying us and cleansing us and making us like Him. But if we see these three scenarios, then I think we will find our place somewhere in the three. And if we can hear what Christ is saying, He's saying that the point of having a lit room, the point of having a light in a room is so that all who are in the house can see and yes, can be aware of things that are out of place, but also, and this is actually the, the, the explanation that is given here in our text at the very end of verse 16, so that those who enter may see the light. That's a very interesting phrase that Christ would specifically call out those who enter. That it's not simply enough to have the benefit of the light for those who are in the house, but that all who enter may see. And so as a believer... We know that not only does God's Word come into our life and into our heart when we hear it, when we meditate on it, when we read it, and it challenges us, but it also makes us the witness, the testimony to the world that we are called to be. So we should be careful how we see. Not what we see, but careful how we see. What is the means by which we view the Word of God and its place in our life. Okay, the second point, be careful how you listen. Now, again, I did not say be careful what you listen to, but be careful how you listen. The, the way in which you and I listen, the way that we listen to God's Word, the way that we listen to uh, the, the, the truth preached, the, the truth spoken, when we read Scripture, the way that we listen says much about us, but it also determines on what type of soil the Word of God, to use the analogy of the parable of the sower, will fall. So if the light is truly the analogy of, of the influence of the Word of God in our life, then we look at the, the admonition of Christ here in verse 18, and He says, Take care then how you hear. It may be obvious on first glance, the role that listening has to play in hearing God's Word, but often it's one that we take for granted. 
How we listen is important. Not simply that we listen, but how we listen. Whether we listen with the Word of God in its proper place, whether we listen uh, submitting to God's Word, knowing that this is truth, knowing that it is God's will for our life, or if we listen as if it's simply a good piece of information. But God's Word spoken is also the means of our faith. It's what enables faith to be active, to become uh, invigorated within our lives. This is why Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Whether preached or read or taught, hearing the Word of God, the Holy Spirit uses that as a means of grace, enabling our hearts to believe in He who is and in all that He has spoken. So it's important that we listen well. It's why Christ teaches us to be careful to take care what you hear or how you hear. But as you and I probably know far too well, listening well is a rare gift. It's a rare trait, or at least for me in my life. I'll expose my own shortcomings. I'm a much better talker than I am a listener. Listening well, specifically to the Word of God, is a reflection of the state of our heart. But it's also something that we are challenged by God's Word to do. And so how are we to listen well? If, if the admonition is given here in Scripture to be careful how you listen, to take care of how you listen, what does it look like? How should we listen? James in his epistle gives us the answer. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In other words, James says, receive with meekness the implanted word. And he makes the connection there, as James is so well to do, between faith and the outcome of faith. He makes the connection. Later he says that faith without works is dead. And the connection here is that when you and I hear the word of God spoken, that we are to hear it with meekness. Why? Why meekness? Why with humility? Because we understand the role of God's Word in the life of a believer. But even in the life of a non-believer, the only way that we can come to God is if we hear the Word spoken. That's what Paul, what Paul says again in Romans where he says, how can they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? So part of what we're celebrating throughout this month is sending and being sent that the Word of God might be proclaimed and that the truth of Scripture might be preached. But we hear well, we take care to how we hear and we listen well whenever we listen with meekness. Now, my sons love to play with flashlights. This may not surprise you if you have boys or perhaps if you're a guy, you've been a boy before, you know that playing with a flashlight for a young uh, child is, is quite enjoyable. But Sometimes when I'm observing them, and they'll even create caves during broad daylight in order to play with, uh, in order to try to create darkness so they can play with these flashlights. And the more that I observe them, and of course these are daddy's thoughts, daddy's ruminations, but um, I think really what they're enjoying is being able to control sight. Because if you think about it, and I've even seen the joy that comes to their face when they're in this little cave that they've created and they turn the flashlight off, the terror of being in the darkness or the mischievous joy that comes to their face when they're able to take the light and shine it in the other's eyes. Um, 
which we laugh at, but on a spiritual level, we probably do that more often than what we'd like to admit. But whenever we think of what is really providing the joy, controlling sight, I believe that's something that we never truly outgrow, but rather in our own lives that we, uh, in every day, want to control sight, that we want to uh, be the ones who are in charge of our perspective on our realities. We want to define truth instead of submitting to truth as it is defined in God's Word. But to receive the Word of God, to hear the Word of God with humility and meekness means that we submit to its definition of truth and that we do not endeavor to put an alternative definition of truth in its place. Listening well means that we let go of, of, of the temporal satisfaction that comes from controlling the way that we want to see things. And yes, it calls us out of the desire to sit in darkness so that God's light, the light of His truth, might be exposed. Okay, the third point that the text makes is that not only should we be careful how we see and be careful um, how we hear, but we should also be careful how we live. And this is really the application component uh, that is overarching in both of these particular verses. Take care how we live. In other words, when we discover that our pantry is dirty, when we discover that the china in the cabinet's been broken, we should look to Christ and preach the gospel and believe the gospel and know that we are in Him and that our righteousness and our acceptance in the sight of God do not come from the fact that we have broken china in our closet, but rather from the merit and, and on the merit of Christ alone. But we shouldn't stop there because Christ says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Rather, we should go on. We should pursue holiness in the fear of the Lord. We should pursue righteousness and that which God has called us unto. And this is why in Matthew, by the way, the parallel verse of the two verses that we just read, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Ultimately, if you go back to the end of verse 16 that we read earlier that talks about um, that all who enter may see the light. God is doing a work in us. And yes, he's illuminating our own darkness so that we can become aware of our sins and our shortcomings, but he's also using us as a light, a testimony to the world around us. This is why James, again in his epistle, in James chapter 1, verse 22, tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Because by being a hearer of the word and not a doer, we deceive ourselves. Because you can't truly hear unless you do. And that's the connection. Ultimately, that's the connection between the two verses uh, that, we, or the, uh, that, we, that we read. That we cannot hear God's word and submit to it as authoritative in our life without it changing our life and without it challenging us to be the people that God has called us to be. So as we look at, at these verses, at these three verses, and we see the admonishment that's given, that we are to be careful how we see and be careful how we hear and be careful how we live, it's interesting, and, and I've, I'm told this by educators, that, that these three methods really are, are the, the, the most common means of learning, seeing, hearing, and doing, and that people have one of the three that's usually dominant uh, in their life. And Now, that may be disputed. There may be more styles of learning. I don't know, but uh, I do know that the truth remains that being a disciple is not simply knowing the right thing, 
but rather it's being a lifelong learner who consistently lives out what is learned. Someone who hears the word and the word illuminates our hearts. We're aware of our sins. We cast ourselves on a savior. We look to him and his merit alone for our redemption, for our salvation, for our justification in the sight of God. And then we allow the authority of his word to govern our thoughts, to govern our lives, and to govern our actions. Now, to go back to the, the end of verse 16, that all who enter might see. And again, echoing the words of Matthew 5.16, letting our light shine before others, that they may see our good works and give glory to God. The world around us is watching, and the message that we share, much like the words of the song that no doubt is going through many of your minds right now, the childhood song of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel, no. The very heart of that song, the message of the song is that we are a testimony, our lives being transformed and illuminated by the Word of God is a witness, a testimony to the world around us. That by looking at us, others can see the work of grace and the work of God in our life and give glory to Him. This is something that we may try to deny or try to pretend is not as important as it is, but really even a child can understand this truth. And I saw this this past week with my, my oldest son, William. He's in this phase where he really loves Peter Pan. And um, he, in fact, he saw the, the Disney Peter Pan for the first time this, this past week, and it's always talked about. Um, but he had a very interesting conversation with me yesterday. He just came out of the blue and said, um, Daddy, I don't think that any of the pirates on Peter Pan have God in their heart. And I, I said, well, what makes you think that? He says, because they're mean. And Trish and I were, were looking at each other at the table, and she asks him, she says, well, do you think any of the pirates have God in their heart? He stops for a minute, and he says, well, maybe Mr. Smead. And those of you who know the story of Peter Pan or have seen the movie, you're probably chuckling. And we said, oh, really, why? He said, because Mr. Smead is nice. Now, it's a very simple way of, of actually stating the truth, that when we our hearts are illuminated by God's Word, and our lives are transformed by the authority of His Word, that our lives will change, and others will look at us, and all who enter will see the light and will benefit from it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, even as we have read and as we have heard Your Word, we know that Your Word is forever established in heaven, and we submit with meekness and humility to its authority. Lord, we pray that your word might be productive. Even the word that is spoken this morning, that it would not return to you void, but that it would accomplish that which you purpose. That it would fulfill your longing. And Lord, we submit to it as your children and pray that even throughout this week and throughout the remainder of the day that we might have the glorious light of your truth illuminating the dark crevices of our lives, transforming us into your image, and making us a witness to the watching world. We pray this, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.